You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 3. Hey, so we're done with the animated series. Yep. And we had some good a... times. We had some shitty times. We had some thoroughly ridiculous times. Here's the thing. The animated series was 22 episodes of a half-hour show, so it was substantially shorter than, than obviously, the previous series, but even even one season yep. of the previous series. We got something like 10 hours of running time total out of it. But I would say per capita there was more hilarity. Yep. Each episode had something ridiculous that we latched onto. There's so many things that we will, dumb jokes that we will be making from now on. Yep. Just because of the animated series, and I'm so happy about Thank that. Thank you, James Doohan. You, yes. you may be dead, but your legacy lives on forever. Poor James Doohan. I, I've mentioned this, I think, uh, a couple of times before, but it, it never it never really leaves my mind that James Doohan, when he died, had like five diseases. Yep. He had Alzheimer's, he had diabetes, he had, um, I think, Lou Gehrig's disease. I mean, like, all these terminal or horribly debilitating conditions all simultaneously. Yeah. It's not like the Mr. Burns thing where they try and shove their way through the door and it doesn't work. He just had all diseases. Yeah, and I just, I feel bad for the guy. Like, I'm, I'm sad that DeForest Kelly's dead because yes. he was my favorite. But I'm really sad that, that James Doohan apparently was suffering horribly yeah. in the last five or ten years of his life. And I mostly feel guilty because there was all those times where I was like, well, how come Scotty couldn't be in this? Where the hell is Doohan? How come he's not in the Futurama episode? Yeah. And now I know it's like, well, because he was dying. Yes. Of everything. Of everything. So I feel bad. It's not, like, it's not like DeForest Kelly who just, you know, died of old crotchetiness. Well, yeah, he was, you know, he was substantially older than the other yeah. guys. No, I mean, that, that's not what you'd call, that's not, it's not surprising. Yeah, if you put together a Star Trek Deadpool, and I'm certain people have, mm-hmm. DeForest Kelly should have been at the top because yep. he's very, very old. But in any case, we did not mean to get that dark that quickly. Wow, no. yeah. Um, no, the, the animated series is goofy and fun, and we really enjoyed it. And again, I, I mentioned this too. A couple of people said, why are you doing the animated series? That's not, you know, first of all, it's not canon, which we're actually going to address here. Yep. But also, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it's it's not the same as the live action show. It's not the it's not a show. It's not a movie. It's a, it's a goofy one-off thing they made for kids. Yeah, uh, but it's still we, Star Trek. Yeah, it's still Star Trek. It has almost the entirety of the original cast. Yeah, Gene Roddenberry is, was involved for better or worse. Yep, Gene it had, Roddenberry was involved. It had, Lucy Fontana wrote yep. for it and David Gerald wrote for it. Like, why, why would this not be? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's goofy and the production values are terrible, but, you know. Look, soon enough, we're going to be all out of original crew stuff. And yeah, we have we have seven movies. We have the original six, and then we're going to do the 2009 for, movie for you. And that, apart from the occasional cameo or guest appearance, is it. Yeah, that'll be it we're, for the original crew. Yeah, I mean, you'll get, you know, one at a time, you'll get to see Bones, and you'll get to see Spock, and you get to see Scotty, and you get to see Kirk. But that's it. Like, yeah. That's, that's all you get. Look, and every, and every original series thing that we do is one less thing we have to do with Enterprise. Yeah, we're, we'll get to that as well. Uh, we, we do have a bunch of mail here. Quite a bit of it is from... Um, Brian Lynch, who was just on the show, and and his brother Flonk. Yes. Um, boy, it feels weird. We knew Flonk first for a long time. It feels weird to say Brian and his brother Flonk. Yep. Um, but I mean, they they have uh, really good, um, insightful questions, and we have some from other people. We do appreciate that. Indeed, we do. Um, so uh, and and just I'll, I'll say this again at the end of the show, but just so you know, um, 
there was a bit of confusion early on. We did take mail, and then we didn't, and then we did these supplemental things. And then I decided it, it got really confusing for everyone. We have now consolidated. We have one single email address. Yep. Podcast at Algar.com. We'll, uh, we will, using our human brains, we will determine whether or not it is a question for our other show, Sarcastic Voyage, or this one. Yep. Just send everything there. We also, uh, we set this up for Sarcastic Voyage, but uh, post time Accord listeners are certainly welcome to use this. We have a voicemail, which you are more than welcome to call, mm-hmm. 206-973-3982, uh, if you want to call us with a question. Again, it might be till the end of a season till we get to it, but we'd love to hear from yes. you. Um, all right. Do you want to jump into these questions? Indeed I do. All right. First one does come from Brian, and he says, greetings, fellow Tellerites. Fellerites? Fellerites? Uh, Chekhov in season two was on what is known as a junior officer rotation, where he fills in at various positions, like Lieutenant Kyle or whatever. But his most frequent position in season three, his full-time job, was navigator. He would plot the course, monitor obstacles, work the deflector, and so on. Sulu was the helmsman or pilot, and he controlled the ship's speed, orientation, I hope orientation is not a a pun (laughs) there. Oh my. Etc. In captain's terms, Chekhov engaged, Sulu punched it. And working together, they made it so. (laughs) I love you, Brian. <laughs> there was no tactical officer at the time. Sulu worked the shield, Chekhov worked the weapons. By the 24th century, their jobs had merged into flight controller or con officer, and a dedicated tactical officer was used when necessary. That's really confusing. Mm. I don't know about you, but... Uh, I mean, it might just be because I grew up mostly on Next Gen, but uh, that's just... Uh, I, I get, and also because I've grown up where I just assume the computer handles actually the navigating part. Well, I mean, that's what happens in, uh, in uh, Next Gen. Yeah, because I mean, we already have computers that can that can plot fairly complicated coordinates in in three dimensions. I don't imagine they have any problems with that in the twenty third century. Yeah, but of we, course, we've evolved beyond the need for Chekhov. Yeah, or Sulu for that matter. Yeah, sorry, Sulu, Ooh. which is just a shame. Uh, and he continues, quid pro quo, Clarice. We decided that the reason Anthony Hopkins got an Oscar for playing Lecter is because that is a very difficult phrase to say. Quid, quid pro wait. Quid, quid pro, pro, pro damn it, toy boat. Skid, skid row blow, Clarice. <laughs> uh, what the hell was Data's job? I know he was second officer, but that's not a job, just a rank. Like Riker is first officer by rank, but executive officer by job. So what did Data do? He wasn't an engineer. He wasn't in any science or command position. His only regular job, outside of hanging out with Geordi, was sitting up front and running the scanners. Is there a name for that? Yeah. Andorally yours, Brian. Yeah, no, Data was a science officer. Yeah, I mean, I, I get his point that he wasn't wearing blue. No. And I'm pretty sure he should have worn blue, and that's probably what's throwing him. But I, he has been addressed on screen as the science officer. Yeah. That is his primary job. I don't know what he's doing at that console up there. I assume monitoring <laughs> scanners and stuff like that. Hanging out, making sure Wesley doesn't ruin anything. <laughs> well, no, Wesley's definitely driving. He's definitely doing the Sulu thing. He's uh-huh. definitely navigating. But I believe Data is, like, monitoring the sensors. Like, figuring, you know... Uh, Doing it, science officer stuff. He's basically doing the twi- the the twenty fourth century uh, version of staring into that viewmaster Spock had. Yeah, exactly. Or he's doing like um, the giant version, the macro version of holding up a tricorder to what's out in space. Yes. Like imagine the Enterprise D holding an enormous tricorder out in front of it. I believe it I is will operating the, that. the arm. Yes, do that, please. But yeah, that's that's always what I've assumed Data did. I, yeah. I know they called him a science officer. But I, I think the the point here is well, he's not wearing blue. Yeah, well, I was I, I'm pretty sure they just dress people in the colors they look good in and kind of yeah, I, what I they can, were for. I can't imagine Data's complexion would go well with uh with blue. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, 
All right. Even they might have um, actually given him a blue uniform to start with, looked at it and gone, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, honey, no, I'm sorry. You're wearing Well, I believe, clothes. if I'm not mistaken, and I may very well be, but I think they tried some different tone, like some different skin tones on him before mm-hmm. they decided on sort of the off-white gold thing. Yeah. And so it's possible they, they worked with what were, looked best on Brent Spiner and then what looked good to uniform. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of those decisions are made... F- Somewhat arbitrarily based on what the actor looks like and what they look like in lighting and, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and do you remember it was uh, Redemption Part 2, but you might not know it by title. The the second part of the... That's um, uh, Lore in the Castle with the Borg, right? No, 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 no. That's uh, the... Fuck. What was that? Oh. Okay. Call on my bluff here. Um, I know what that's called. It's not Time's Arrow. That was the Season 6 finale. What it was f- Descent. Descent. Descent, yes. Thank you. That was the Season 6 finale, Season 7 premiere. Mm. Um... Time Zero was season five finale and season six premiere. Now, this was actually the season four finale, season five premiere, which was Redemption, which was the payoff of Worf losing his honor and uh, Klingon Civil War and all that stuff. Right. Um, when they had, uh, the, the fleet was spread thin, partially because they lost a bunch of guys to the Borg, but also just in general because they were spread thin. And so Data got a command. Mm. And you see him on that other ship and he's wearing a red uniform. And it's like, ah, that's all wrong. No, no, no. Yeah. You are demoted. That was that was a nice little B-plot, and obviously we'll get to that when we review the episode. Yeah. Nice little B-plot where he's put in charge, and there's a human uh, first officer, and he's like, I'm taking orders from a robot. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like that. that. I, yeah. You don't you don't remember that? No, I do remember that. Oh, okay. That was a good episode. Yeah, yeah guy was a dick. Yeah, fuck that guy. But that was a nice B-plot, because all the Klingon stuff was going on, and they gave Data some like new <laughs> arc there, which was kind of cool. They gave Data something to do. Well, you know, he's... <laughs> He can run billions and billions of uh, of things per second. He needs something to do. Yeah. Likes to keep his hands busy. Yes, that's why I got a cat, so that his hands right. could pet something. Right. All right, next one also comes from Brian. Uh, Ahoy, mateys. On your latest Simple Mental show, you said the Enterprise had been to every Earth-like planet possible. This is clearly untrue. Oh, don't be one of those nerds. Uh, excuse me. When we say everything, we don't literally mean everything. But anyway... Uh, since they'd never been to Cowboy Planet, Roman Planet, or no, since they had been to Cowboy Planet, Roman Planet, Gangster Planet, Nazi Planet, they had never been to Mayan Planet, Ninja Planet, Hillbilly Planet, Pirate Planet, or Swedish Planet. Well, they had been to Mayan Planet. Yeah, we meanwhile. just saw them go to Mayan Planet. With CuckooCon. Yes. Uh, to apologize, I demand that you identify another planet they could visit and supply a brief plotline. And this is, this is on the animated series, so budget is no object. On the setting, I mean. Obviously not on the animation. <laughs> Yours in the wormhole, aliens, Brian. Well, let's see. I always liked Ron Moore's idea for uh, DS Nine that they would. Yeah, go. they were gonna they were gonna do the crossover uh, before they decided to go back in time and interact with Trouble with Tribbles. This was their first idea. Yeah, uh, that they would go to back to the gangster planet, uh, which would have <laughs> taken the tricorder McCoy left behind and turned into Star Trek planet. Yeah, so the, so they had built their society around uh, Chicago mobs of the 30s or whatever it was, the yeah. 20s, whatever. And now this time, they've learned nothing. <laughs> now they're just, yeah, that would have been great. And it would have been a nice meta commentary on Star Trek fandom yep. to, have, to go back and, have, like, say, well, I guess it would have been DS9, but it would have been fun to have Picard go back and have these guys worship Kirk and look at Picard and say, wow, you're not Kirk. <laughs> But no, that that would have been fantastic. And of course, I would love to see this the them go to Batman Planet. Of course, you would. Uh, you know, you get Adam West and uh, Casey Kasem to do the voices of animated Batman Robin. 
Maybe mm-hmm. they team up to fight the Joker and the Penguin. Well, I mean, Filmation did have the rights to Batman. At exactly. So it certainly would have been possible. They did. Uh, they did briefly allude to their Lassie cartoon, which you which you mentioned in your ah uh, uh, yes. Of, uh, one of the, the Enterprise episodes, goes so. to Lassie Planet. No, it was it was a planet was totally Ar- covered in wells. <laughs> Children should not go to that planet. <laughs> Packs of in, of super intelligent dogs roaming free. <laughs> All right. Um, next one comes from Flonk, and he says, "Hailing frequencies open." You guys are really getting carried away with these fucking Star Trekisms. Yeah, you're not going to win anything for this. No, we find it insulting. Be, be honest now. Would you date a woman with Rand's thatched hairdo? To, to remind you guys, uh, Yeoman Rand was in season one of the original series, uh, and then was raped and never seen again. Mm. Excuse me, attempted raped, and then sort of rushed off to the side, mm-hmm. to the hood. Um, Yes. Not not to the to the hood, but to the USS hood. Yes. Um yeah, and she had a she had a hairdo like a wicker basket. Yes. I, I'm it, not gonna I'm not gonna over explain everything here, but I do feel like Yeoman Rand was in it so little <laughs> that people might not actually remember who she is. Yes. So I feel like that deserved a, a bit of an explanation. I, I would totally date a woman with Rand's thatched hairdo. I, well, you know, I mean, I, I married, so obviously I wouldn't date anyone, but, you know, it's, <laughs> if we're going to be nitpicky about it, um, but no, I, I, uh, I have no particular problem with it. That's not the best, uh, not the best weird hairdo that they've had in Star Trek, but, uh, it's not the worst. It's, but it's not the worst. No, definitely not. You could do, you could do a lot worse than wicker basket hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, uh, some of the, you know, some of the chicks that, that Kirk fell for with weird cone hair or strange, you know, yeah. like anti-gravity curls or whatever. You know, I mean, I, I, I like some of those a bit better. Uh, I'm a fan of the thatched hair. Fair enough. It's, it looks sturdy. All right. Well, it's important <laughs> to have sturdy hair. I've often said that. To, to compare a woman's hairdo to a good solid club. <laughs> I would trade it all for a fortune in precious gems, though. <laughs> so then she would be bald like the chicken in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yes, she would be bald and I would be rich and everyone would be happy. I would buy her. That actually, that's one of my favorite hairdos in, in yep. Star Trek. Is um, uh, what's her name? Now I'm drawing a complete blank. I usually know her name right off the top uh, of my head. Oh god. Well, the character's name was Ilya, but I'm trying to remember the um, the actor's name, and I, I'm just how can I not? Persis Kambata. Persis Kambata, who is one of the Persis Kambata, the Forbidden Dance. Yes, <laughs> one of the few Indian. Um, actors on the show because uh we had vishal on and so i was sort of actually no we talked even before we had vishal on i was thinking about that because i think brian wrote in and asked about uh like lieutenant singh or somebody like that uh-huh. and we got to thinking like yeah there's for all the all the representation all the various you know races of earth have gotten there haven't been a lot of indians nope and there are a considerable number of indians on the earth so that's, apparently that's roddenberry hated them as much as he hated the irish well no he ignoring them is ignoring them worse than, than actively portraying them as horrible? I guess that's true. I mean, he hated the Irish. Oh, I think he was God, indifferent yeah. to Indians. But uh, even then, she played a she played a Delton, so that didn't even really count. No, she wasn't like uh, Indian Indian. All right. Anyway, uh, next one comes from one of the black mages, and he says, "Gentlemen." Actually, he says, "Gentleman," but I, I assume. Uh, oh. I assume he means gentleman. We might mean you. It's not addressed to any of either. Any particular gentleman? Gentleman. Could be you. 
Uh, I was conversing with one of the Gavs. I'm not sure which. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'm sure he wasn't sure which black yeah, mage I'm he glad was talking to. I'm glad there's a pair that, that you can't tell the difference between either. Cause in my head, those guys are so different. And I'm probably going to meet these guys, uh, the black mages here soon. I'm going to going to California on vacation, and they live down there. And I'm going to try to like have lunch with them or something. Yeah. And, uh, maybe then I won't uh, I won't confuse them. But for now, it's like, well, I, I don't know which one's which. Um when an interesting thought occurred, so I posed to you this hypothetical question. If you fed a Tribble to your neighborhood Klingon, Klingon's pet Targ, would it eventually explode like feeding rice or Alka-Seltzer to a pigeon? Or, if the Targ was as voracious an eater as the Tribble is a breeder, would you have then created a perpetual food supply for the Targ, <laughs> never having to physically feed it again? Here is an unwise Klingon prank, Brandon. Hmm. That's well, actually, you know, them, them breeding like that is a good possible solution for, uh, for food shortages. That is certainly. true. Tribble is, but, del- but Tribble does not actually taste very good. It's sort of like tofu. It just tastes like whatever you fed it. Yeah, but the problem is the shaving. The, the, the de-hairing of the Tribble takes so long. Like, I'm sure there's actual flesh in there. Oh, God. Can you imagine what a naked but, Tribble would look like? Oh. I guarantee if I, if I Googled right now, if I Googled naked Tribble. All right. Let's see here. Let me do that. I'll just click this here. Gah. I'm just, I'm picturing, like, a fleshy lump with, like, with, like, a, a mouth end a vagina. Yeah. And well, that's, that's it. And I'm looking at a picture of an ostrich, so, uh, okay. my Googling is horrible. <laughs> All right, so, to answer your question, a naked tribble looks like an ostrich. All right, then. Fine. Fine. No, I just, I think peeling a tribble would be a, it would be not worth it. It would be one of those things that just takes hours and hours, and by the time you get to it, you're not even hungry anymore. <laughs> Uh, as far as the Targ thing goes, I don't know if we've seen... We saw one, and, and we'll be doing the movies here next, so we'll, we'll talk about this, um, in Star Trek III, um, where uh, the first official Klingon who actually has speaking lines and looks like a real Klingon, like, uh, well, I'm trying to think of how to make this technically correct. We did get ridged uh, four-headed Klingons in the motion picture, but they were in it for three seconds. They had a line saying, oh no, it's V'ger, and that was it. <laughs> Like, uh, this is the first, like, real on-screen villain with a lot of lines, and, you know, it's actually a Kling- Like, the first real Klingon wearing the uniform, or, like, wearing the, the armor and all that, and, you know, Christopher Lloyd. Yep. And uh, and he's got a- he brought his dog. Which is the Targ. Yep. Which is a dog. See, my thinking here is that, like, Targs do not eat Tribbles just because the Klingons felt the need to breed a Tribble-eating uh, animal. True. Which clearly means that they don't have anything on their planet already that can eat triples. True. All right. Next question comes from Flong, and he says, Dear Alan Matt... Friend! Friends, Alan Matt. Subject for discussion. Since Vulcans have to return to Vulcan during Pond Far, do you have any thoughts on how this could be handled in the Abrams universe? Also, does this mean that Tuvok won't be born? So now half the good things about Voyager are wiped from existence. Well, that's just terrific. <laughs> We actually, when we were reading over these questions before we started, we did a little math, and we're pretty sure Tuvok should have been born by then. Yeah. We saw him serving aboard uh, the Excelsior under uh, Sulu. Yep. Um, and he obviously would have been out of the Academy at that point, so subtract 20 years, and hopefully you're in the movie era, and, and you're okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think he's probably safe. We're pretty sure. If not, it was a pretty near thing. Yeah. But I think he's probably okay. Um, as far as the Pon Far thing, I actually heard someone ask... Um, uh, Damon Lindelof, who's one of the guys writing the movie, mm. I, I heard someone ask him in this directly. 
like what happens during Ponfar uh, on an interview with him in the uh, Nerdist podcast. And then they got off topic and they never addressed it. So I don't know. They had the answer right there, and I don't know. Now, I, 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 I've, I'm unclear on this. Does Ponfar actually require you to go back to Vulcan, or do you just have to have sex? See, I don't know, because... Like, didn't they deal with this on Voyager? With well, the... in, well, in, in Spockamock, as uh, I wish that was our joke, but it's actually Bob's. Uh-huh. Um, but he had to go back to uh, his his ancestral home to do the arranged marriage thing. That was all part of it. I don't think that's biologically. No, I assume that was tradition. I have to go get laid, so it's time to settle up this this arranged marriage thing. They they kind of coincided. Uh-huh. But no, I, on Voyager, uh, Gav has actually gotten to a Ponfar episode in his... Um, Irish Gav has gotten to this in his um, uh, Get the Cheese to Sick Bay blog. Right. Which you should be reading because he's doing great little encapsulations of Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not Tuvok, the other, another Vulcan they introduced the week before just so they didn't have to show Tuvok doing this. Yep. Goes through Ponfar and then someone on the ship catches it from him. Uh, what? Yeah. Now, you know, you know, we're we're pretty lax as far as continuity and as far as that sort of thing goes, but uh, that doesn't make a lick of sense. No, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that's dumb. Yep. You did a bad thing, Voyager. That's dumb. I just, I just assumed it was like an animal going into heat. Yeah. They really need sex. If they can't get it, well, I don't know, maybe they'll die. Maybe they won't, but, you know, they really need it. Maybe, uh, maybe Kirk will walk onto the bridge and find Spock dry-humping his chair. See, I think, you know, kidding aside, I think that sort of thing, like, they probably spend a lot of time on the holodeck in the next-gen era. Yep. They, there's probably a, a large amount of, you know, like Vulcans, if, you know, if they track their cycle in the way women can track their menstrual cycles, they probably block off several weeks off work. <laughs> so they can just stay in the holodeck and furiously masturbate. Or whatever. Incidentally, I'm now trying to find a picture of that on Google. I expect I will have more success. Masturbating Vulcan. I assume that will not be different. No. Um, but no, there's there's nothing I don't think. I mean, obviously, we're not completely experts. We just know more than you, who, whoever happens to be listening. Yes. Um, that uh, yeah, that they have to go back to Vulcan. They, they should. But, I mean, this is something that I asked early on. Like, with Vulcan no longer being there, the repercussions are pretty big in that a lot of historical things happen on Vulcan that can no longer happen. Mm -hmm. Stuff pertaining to Spock, stuff pertaining to the Federation in general, all kinds of stuff. I mean, who knows? That's, that's what, uh, that's what Abrams and his guys have to figure out when, whenever they get around to doing that. Yes. Not going to bitch about it. Nope. Not going to be that guy. Any fucking time now though. I would, I would like that movie, but I don't want to be that guy where they owe me that. They don't owe it to me. No. I just would really like to see it because I like Star Trek. Yes. Uh, please. This one comes. From, hmm? Please, anytime now, ah. guys. Um, yeah, it's it's so lonely without us. So lonely. <laughs> Dear Matt, Al, and also Vishal, Brian writes this. All right. Um, some some things. One, you hypothesize the Indian difficulty with V's and W's is related to the Russian, but in fact, they mostly made that up for Chekhov. You'll never find a Russian in real life who says "invented" or "wessels" because there's no W sound in Russian. In fact, real Russians who have to mimic Koenig, Koenig's accent, Koenig, excuse me, uh, like Anton Yelchin or my friend Anton, who's in the Star Trek pirate show with me, have a lot of difficulty pulling off the Wessel joke. Two, apparently Anton is a very common Russian name. See also Anton Chekhov, no relation. <laughs> okay, that was really clever. <laughs> Three, 
Apparently, Ensign Sadsack was an an- was animated as a caricature of David Gerald, and his name is Hacker. Gerald later appeared as a crewman in the motion picture, so I don't know if that's Hacker busted down in rank or what. Yeah, actually, we have a we have a bit of an exclusive here. We got a we got a line to um, to Ensign Sadsack. We'll be interviewing him here after uh, after we finish your questions. Mm. So look forward to that. Real delight, that guy. Yes. Four. What with Larry Niven bringing his Kazinti into the Star Trek universe, what other properties would you like to see cross over? X-Men? They have two Dr. McCoys. Yours in dead Klingon Christ, Brian. <laughs> well, as I've said before, uh, Star Trek actually did do a crossover with X-Men. Uh, yeah. It was terrible, and they did, and existed only for the reason of having two Dr. McCoy jokes. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's not really... I don't think worth all that, but uh, isn't DC now doing a uh, Star Trek and uh, Legion of Superheroes crossover? Yes, I'm actually really looking forward to that. It's written by uh, Chris Roberson, who's actually quite a good writer. <clears throat> yeah, I, I read a bit of an interview with him, and it seems like he's into Star Trek, so that would be my concern. Is that Not that you know star dates and shit like that, but at least that you, you stay true to the characters and you have a, you know, a passion for what's going on. And yep. It seems like he does, so that's good. Yep. Uh, let's see. I've already tackled the Star Trek meets Batman thing. Yeah, that's you know obviously seems obvious. We we've talked about this before, but I I don't think I don't think I, I'm out of school repeating this. I would love to see a good Star Trek Doctor Who crossover. That would be really awesome. They briefly discussed because they were just relaunching with David or before David Tennant, um, uh, Eccleston, um, just as Enterprise was entering its last season, and they were just starting to talk about that. I'm glad they didn't because if they do it, I'd like them to cross over with someone I like. Yes, but you know. It would be cool once. I mean, that's super easy to do. Yep. And you don't run into the problem with crossovers that you sometimes run into, which is like, if you ever tried to write a crossover between the original crew and the next-gen crew, let's say, you got seven guys that have to interact with seven other guys, you're going to lose a lot of characters in the, in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. But if you have Doctor Who on Star Trek, you've really got the Doctor and the Companion and maybe one other person, if you know, depending on where in Doctor Who you are. So you don't have to mix you know, seven characters with seven other characters. Right. You got one main guy and one or two other supplemental guys along with the crew, and I think that would be a lot easier to write and more fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So that that would be great. I'm gonna admit it. I just want to see uh, the Enterprise fight Daleks. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty great. I would like to see the Borg fight Daleks. Actually. Yes. Uh, you, you and I are both big fans of that scene uh, toward the end of season two of Doctor, the new Doctor Who, where uh, the Daleks and the Cybermen are uh, trash talking each other. Throw the Borg into that mix. The only thing Cybermen are good at is sucking and dying. I don't think they actually said sucking. I don't care. Very well. Uh, next one comes from our pal Fourth Man, who actually uh, has been on Sarcastic Voyage with us, and hopefully will be joining us on the show at some point in the future. Um, dear Al, Matt, and our guest, would it be possible to have a new semi-regular commentary bit on the peculiarities of a given episode slash location's architecture? I would like this segment to be, be called Big Honking Nacelle. As introduced by a sample of Vishal saying same. I'm pretty sure I'd find myself repeating this phrase over and over, even if I'd first heard it in unaccented English. So understand that I recognize the fear of sampling an Indian guy for laughs might be a concern, but really, fuck anyone who thinks that's what I'm suggesting. Or at least that that's all that I'm suggesting. Not looking for Tribble, Chris Coleman. Well, Vishal has agreed to uh, do us a clip here, so uh, I'll I'll play that for you here. Big honking nacelle. As far as a, as far as a running... Um, feature goes i don't know we, we i don't think we've completely decided what we're going to be doing for next gen yet no we've we all we, we're we're always looking for new sort of replacements for uh well, well we did we did in the future yeah. for a while and, and then, then we're uh, doing the alternate, we bored with that alternate, the title. alternate titles 
Yeah, that was your idea. That was a good one. So I'm sure one. I'm sure we'll be doing a different one for uh, for next gen. And the thought, my thought about that is next gen is seven years long. We might not even commit to one through the whole series. We might no. just do it for a couple of seasons and then switch to something else. I feel like uh, the idea for Big Honking uh, Nacelle would work best for DS9, which had very unique looking architecture and a variety of different ships. But it also, you know, for the most part, I was pretty impressed with that architecture. Whereas on, on say, early next gen... You could. There's a lot more uh, comedy potential because things were a little more ridiculous. Because every planet they look, they went to looked like a municipal park. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's. I can't guarantee. I'm, I'm not. I'm not blowing off your idea, Chris. It's just we have a couple of other ideas in mind, and we will definitely consider that. And I mean that for real. Yes, not, not in the. I don't, I don't mean we will consider that in the sense of fuck off, stop giving. Well, we'll ideas. look into that. No, we really will. Yeah. Uh, another another possibility we thought about is um, we have a we have a running joke about the the Bruce Tim animated superhero series. Uh, kids love Justice League mm. because there's so many adult themes in there, and uh, I thought it might be fun to have kids love Star Trek. Yes. We actually sh- maybe should have done that for the filmation show because there were some pretty serious themes. There's that there's that whole run of episodes in our last batch where where everyone wanted to kill them. Oh yeah, Suicide Run. Yeah, it was like all season two of the animated series was the suicide season. Mm. All right. Uh, next one comes from our pal Thom. Actually, we're going to save this one for last. That's a that's a pretty long topic. All right. Thing. We're going to spend a little time on that one. So, uh, next one comes from Irish Gav. Uh, hey, pa people. This is a sci-fi question, but it does relate to Star Trek. What's the deal with cat people in sci-fi, specifically Mares and the Kaziti in, in the animated series? But I'm sure there are other examples. Why are there are no dog people. Yours in Fido, not literally, Gav. Uh. I think the cat people speaks to early furries. You think? I I think so, yeah. I don't know, because I don't know how far back it goes. Like, Marissa is my first awareness of it, but I, you know, I should know more about sci-fi than I do. And, and I feel I, like there I'm must be cat aware. There must be cat people before Marissa. I don't think, like, I've, I, I've read a bunch of the uh, the David Niven books, the uh, or excuse me, Larry Niven. Yeah. I don't know who the hell David Niven David is. David Niven. Some actor or something. Um... No, the Larry Niven uh, uh, Ringworld books, uh, which I erroneously said Discworld a few times when we reviewed that episode. It, forgive me. I read them both. I like them both. They sound the same. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Thank God you um, never got into the Flat World, Square World, and Fish World books. <laughs> Fish World? Yep. Right? Well, I think the Enterprise should go to Fish World. <laughs> I agree. Or Spatula City. They spell. They do sell spatulas, and that's all. And that's all. Um. I, but uh, I, the Kazinti in the actual books are not like they—they they do have cat-like aspects, but they're a little more alien and a little less like obvious. They're less cats. mongrel cats in spacesuits. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, there's a bit I would say more panther and less house cat. Yes, in that they're similar to uh, to felines, but that's where it ends. It's not a you know they're nothing like in the animated series is what I'm trying mm. to get at here. So yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, I yeah. So dog people, like I said, I can't really think of any specifically. I know, um, I know there are some wolf people. Yeah, that seems more sort of threatening. Dog people would just be like, "Hey, hey, where are you guys going? You're going on a space adventure? Can I come yeah. on a space adventure?" Yeah, we don't really take dogs seriously. Is it? I mean, you know, cats cats have more dignity. A cat will scratch your face though. The dog, a dog most dogs are just like, "Hey, yeah, what was in there?" And you know, there are there. There are vicious dogs, but oh uh, yeah, you know you don't really think of that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I 
I understand that it's it's an easy shortcut to say this alien is based on this Earth animal, yeah. but uh, that's just do, generally do you, speaking, that's just kind of lazy. I think. Do you really want to see that on all your alien races? You want to have the Enterprise meet a race of panda people? Well, they should fucking destroy those. But <laughs> my my feelings of pandas have been well documented. Or like you know, lung. Here come the lungfish people from the lungfish planet. <laughs> lungfish four. <laughs> Hello, Captain. All right. Uh, another one from Irish Gav. He says, hey, you people, picture it. Sicily, 1946. You No, wait. Picture it. North America, 2011. There's going to be a new animated series. You get to decide who's in it and what's it about. And uh, what do you choose, Hotshot? Okay, I have no idea why I've referenced Golden Girls and Speed in this email, but you get the idea with the question. At least I didn't mention Jason Patrick. Damn it! From me. <laughs> Uh, this one's obvious. I really just want an animated series based on the new movie. That would be nice. Um, obviously try to get, uh, I don't know, who would you get? Like, if you could get most of the original crew to do their voices, would you, would you prefer Shatner and Nimoy doing Kirk and Spock, or would you want, uh, Chris Pine and Zach Quinto to do it? If I could get Chris Pine and Zach Quinto to do it, I would. Well, I think they would. I think they're at a point where they're not completely, you know, like, Star trek out yet, especially yeah. with this long gap between movies. I think they're probably pretty, pretty cool with it. Yeah, and like I'm, they are doing that game. Yep, and I'm pretty sure, like, I don't, I couldn't tell you for sure because I've never done it, but I'm pretty sure voice acting you can take care of pretty quickly. Yeah, even um, we were reading about um, like on Memory Alpha and stuff. Even um, back in the '70s, like the the animated series was made in '73, so Mm. you know it was actually probably in production in '72. They had the technology for Shatner to do his lines over the phone. Yeah, and I think now it's it's even better. Like, mm-hmm. I know, you know, podcast recording, like, th- this might not be perfect pro-level quality recording, but that's just because of our equipment. There is equipment you can get. People have sent me recordings to, to use on our various shows that sounds just like they were in a studio. Yeah. Like, you can record from anywhere. You don't have to be there. I yeah. mean, they prefer, I think it's in vogue to to have the, the you know, the, uh, the cast there if possible, mm-hmm. so they can work off each other, they can improvise a little, like, you know, they get the chemistry better, but... But, you know, if you don't have that, that's fine. Yeah. No, I, I, I think doing a uh, sort, sort of like in the way they're doing the uh, the IDW is doing the comic series, which is, mm-hmm. you know, sort of setting it between the this movie and the next one. I think the only problem you have there right now is that Abrams and the company haven't said what's in the next movie. And I don't mean they haven't spoiled the whole story, but they haven't told you, like, how many years later it is. Right. Who's been promoted. Like, it's hard to fill in those gaps when you don't know what the other end of it looks like. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, uh, I was thinking about like I like I often do because I'm me thinking about what I want the next movie to be like. And somebody said, I think it was Gab actually. We were talking about this on Twitter and said uh, there should just be a remake of the Doomsday Machine with whatever silly thing we were talking about. But I started thinking a remake of the Doomsday Machine, like you know that seriously. Yep. You know, change it enough so that it's not just oh I've seen this episode. Who cares? Mm. That'd be pretty cool. But then I was thinking, and this is me being a total fanboy here. This is this is my goofy fanfic idea this is there's nothing serious about this but if you did the doomsday machine the basic story of the the planet killer and the you know kirk's uh, trying to slow down this crazy guy but if you made the commodore pike yes then it's someone he has a connection with it's it's that much more heartbreaking that would rock that's his mentor and his mentor has snapped 
And that would put him in a situation sort of, it would be sort of a mythological passing the torch from the father to the son kind of thing. Yep. Sort of a, my father figure's gone nuts and now I've got to take over as a leader. And yes. it would be that next step in leadership. And the more I thought about this, the more I thought that would be a really good starting point. I mean, you'd have to, again, you'd have to make it different enough so that you're not just submitting that script from 1967. Right. But I think that would be for in, a, a good for instance. That would be awesome. And that's, you know, I mean, that's your favorite. That's in my top two or three. Yep. That would be a great one. Oh. I'd also just like to see them uh, update the Tholian web, but, you know, that's yep. me. Um, More Tholians, I think. But as, as far as an animated series goes, mm-hmm. I, um, I, I've, I've had this idea for a long time. I think they should do an anthology series. Mm-hmm. I think live-action-wise, it's, it's cost-prohibitive, but I think uh, animated-wise, you could do... F- similar to what they did with Justice League Unlimited. I'm trying to, like, this isn't a far-out idea. It's been done, and it's been done successfully. Yeah. Where if you had some kind of a framing device, some kind of a, I don't know, the time cops, let's say, or someone's reading historical records of Starfleet or something to hold it all together. Mm-hmm. You could have a story with Kirk. You could have a story with Picard. You could have a story, you know, like, at a, set at any point with any crew you want, before or after the movies, during, you know, whatever you want. Right. It would be an anthology. And I think that would be great. You could fill in some gaps. You could do... I, I've always been interested in what happened between uh, um, the original series and Next Gen. Like, I don't want to see everything spelled out perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to see first contact with the Cardassians, fighting with them, and slow peace with the Klingons. And, you know, there, there'd be some cool stuff there. Yeah, absolutely. I would also I would also be fine if uh, with doing that sort of the way DC's been doing their uh, their animated movies. Yeah. You know, every six months you get a new Star Trek animated feature. That would be fantastic. Yep. And again, you could go more anthology with it. Yeah, exactly. You could do one with the next gen crew. And and you have, you know, if it is, if, if the premise is that it's set throughout Star Trek history, you don't have to say, well, we killed off Data in the last movie. No, set it in the middle of the series. It's animated, so you don't have to worry about everyone looking older. Yeah. You just have to worry about getting voice actors or, or you know, people who sound similar enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, you know... I, I hate to say it, but your model for it would be something like, uh, again, I can't believe I'm saying this, the Star Trek porn parody, mm-hmm. which is a story that someone apparently, again, I haven't seen it yet, but someone p- took a lot of effort and said, this fits in the middle of season six, I think they said. Yep. And you need to just do that. Just uh, the, the, the the hardcore nerds like us can say, oh, well, this takes place during season five. The, the casual watchers can say, oh, that's Captain Picard on his old ship. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. Yeah. So that that would be the best one for me. I mean, I don't want to. I, I hear nerds when they when they okay, you can have whatever you want. You can have a Star Trek series, and the go to answer for just about everyone is a show all about Klingons. I cannot see anyone wanting to watch that. No, I wouldn't watch that. I would get bored after a while. I watch it at first. Yeah, but I'd get bored after a while. I like the Klingons, but they're not. You, don't you need the whole thing you need about it. Something else. Yeah. Exactly. That kind of thing is what the books are for. Yep. Even that, I don't. I don't really read the books that are like. You know, set on the Klingon homeworld with no, you know, it's half of it's in Klingon, so you need your dictionary. Like, yeah, I, I, that's a little, that's a bridge too yeah. far for me. Although I did appreciate the uh, the Klingon comic they released a couple of years ago that was the variant of which was done entirely in Klingon. Now that's a great, like, if you're going to do your dumb variant comics, that is a fun idea. Yeah, I um, there's a uh, well, I've been I've been reading some of the older Star Trek books, like for our blog and and so forth, mm. and just because I'm you know kind of in the mindset of this crew right now, and I want to read some stuff with Kirk and Spock, and um, I, I've been reading them on my on my iPad. <laughs> Sorry, folks, I can't say that without sounding like a douche, so I just kind of embrace it. 
But no, they, I'm, I'm using the Kindle app, and, and the Kindle and, and all other devices like that have a function where if you don't know what a word is, you can highlight it and it looks it up. Really? Which is one of the cool things of, of having an electronic reader is you don't have to go look it up in a dictionary. You just that, tap the word and it pops up. That's really cool. It is. But I thought it would be cool for the Trek books if it linked to Memory Alpha. That would also be really cool. Because I was reading something that linked to an episode that we hadn't seen yet. It was, uh, uh, they went back to the planet from, for the world is hollow or something like that. Yeah. And we were still in season two at that point and I hadn't read it. I hadn't seen the episode yet. And I wanted to know what, what was going on there. And it would have been cool to click that and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. total first world problem. But I think that would be a neat thing to, yep. to do. All right. Uh, next one again comes from Flonk. And he says, flunk to post-atomic horror, am I wrong for thinking there is great potential in that since Vulcan has been destroyed, one of few surviving Vulcans left has completely rejected the Vulcan way of life. And he's also Spock's brother. That could actually be really cool. Yeah, we agree. That could actually be extremely cool. He's actually referred to uh, Cybok, Spock's half-brother in the Sa- horrible... Spock's retarded half-brother. Yeah, in the horrible... Um... And by half-brother, he was born half a person. Yes, like with the half of, you know, one, one eye, one, one pointed ear. Yep. So on. Um, now it's Star Trek five and actually Flunk will be doing that one with us. Yeah. So we can go into greater detail with him then, but that's actually not a bad idea to, to, to do like, like that, that little idea I just threw out there for the next movie would be great to take a good episode of the original series and do something with it. Mm-hmm. But I think the opportunity here is to remake stuff that wasn't so great that had a good idea in the core and make yeah. it better. And that's, he's, he's got something there. Yeah. To take something that was like the worst, everyone acknowledges was the worst Star Trek movie. Yep. And not just production value-wise, but also writing. It just wasn't very good. And uh, take the, that character, which the core of which was not a bad idea, and make it something better. That's, a, you know, and we're something al- to that. We're also early enough in the new franchise that, you know, it makes, like, you could bring in Spock having a brother. It's not like it's been oh, 30. this guy's been here all along. Yeah, exactly. I hate yeah. that. Yeah, me too. Plus, I, I'm pretty sure, if not officially, at least sort of off to the side, they said that Spock was an only child. I Just psychologically, he felt like an only child. Yep. With all his daddy issues, it didn't feel like he was competing with a brother. It felt like he wanted his father's love and that was it. Like, there yep. was no more complications there. But I might be reading into that. I don't know. Uh, next one comes from our friend Din. Uh, she'll actually be joining us for Star Trek Four coming up. So, yep. looking forward to that. Um, format now. What is your favorite mud moment or quote? I basically just want there to be mud-related commentary. We do like that character. We do, and um, I'm disappointed. We were, I think we already talked about this. They talked about trying to bring him into Next Gen, and the actor yep. died. Yeah, thanks. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> thanks a lot, guy. <laughs> but um, I don't, we were talking about what, like, his lines. I don't remember a lot of specific lines. And then Matt's like, isn't he Irish some of the time? Yeah, he, he sort of vaguely well, is Irish when he... First shows well, when we first, when we first meet him, he's posing as an Irishman. Yeah, so he has this ridiculous faux Irish accent. And he was it Leo Walsh, he's yeah. pretending to be. Oh, Captain Kirk, me bucko. I'm yeah. Leo Walsh, me laddie. Who, who says I'm not? I'm from Ireland. Space Ireland. Space Ireland. But then, but then uh, you know, he, he, they discover who he really is, and, uh, and, and then he... Goes back to his normal bombastic speaking voice, but, but he doesn't go all the way back. No, it's like he doesn't turn it off. He just turns the dimmer down. Yes, there's still a bit of Irish in there, and so you know you'd be like, "Friend, Kirk, me bucko." 
I don't know. I honestly, of, of the things that he said, I honestly, this is kind of a cop-out. Love hearing him say his own name. Yep. Oh, ah, Court Fenton Mund. I mean, how many other characters apart from James Tiberius Kirk can can you name the entire full name of? Yeah. I don't think anybody. Like, if you, if you really thought about it, you might know. Mm-hmm. But, but common knowledge right on the tip of your tongue, you know, known by everyone. Yep. Ah, Court Fenton Mund is way up there. Yep. And it's a great name. He is beloved. He is. All right, final question. This is the one we skipped over a minute ago because this one, uh, this one, I think we'll close the show out with. See, we got a, we got a bit to say on. Well, I do anyway. Mm. Bit to say on this. Um, it's from our friend Thom, and he says, uh, "Hey guys, how are you? I'm feeling pretty vindicated. It seems there's a growing group of us who feel you are too harsh on Enterprise, and this pleases me. Yes, pleases me indeed. But anyway, on to my question. Um, that's actually the part I want to address. The second okay. part, I'll be over with quickly here." Uh, why is it, in your opinions, that so much of the fan base holds the animated series as out of canon? Not that the canonical issue is a problem for you, but there's so much touched upon later. Be it a reference to Robert April as the original captain, or a throwaway mention of some forgotten bit of an animated episode. Just wondering. Thanks, Thom. Um, that one's easy. That's actually Paramount specifically said. Yep. That it's not canon. Like in the chronology books and all that. In the years before the internet, the official books that they published said that the, the animated series doesn't count. So that's, mm-hmm. we all just latched onto that. Yeah. I, we personally sort of don't go with that, but whatever. No, I mean, can you think of anything in any of those episodes that horribly contradicts or, you know, just like, like shouldn't count because it fucks something else up? No, and in fact, like we've said, a lot of those episodes actually build on Star Trek. Yeah. Yesteryear, just off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I think, again, I don't think there's anything in there that if you, if you just leave it, that you'd have to say, well, then this doesn't make sense. Yeah. No. It, I just see it as we got to see the Enterprise fourth year and the start of its fifth year, which is mm-hmm. nice. It's, we always heard from the day one it was a five-year mission, so it's nice to get two more years out of it, even if the, the fifth year was kind of chopped off a little too soon. Yes. But no, the, the, it's, I don't, I mean, I, I, I speak as someone who was on the early incarnation of the internet and, and fans before, you know, before message boards and all that stuff back in the newsgroup days and all that. And I can say mostly the thinking wasn't that the that the animated series wasn't any good. It's just the Paramount told us it didn't count, and we kind of had to accept that. Yeah. So that's all. Um, as far as the Enterprise thing goes, this is this is something I want to devote a bit of time to. Mm-hmm. Um, I have quite a bit to say on this. Bad. I wanted to give you an opportunity first because I I know you haven't actually seen a lot of it. I uh, I have seen I have not seen very much Enterprise. It is not something that I enjoyed. Okay, but specifically, and and putting the goofs aside, let's let's actually talk about this for a minute. What what didn't you like about it? Why did you stop watching it? I don't know. It was just really boring, you know. Like nothing about it really caught my interest. I don't. I didn't have any interest in any of the characters, and I don't. Re- I never really liked the idea of going back, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that was that was my biggest my biggest thing up front was when they announced it. And I don't like to be one of those nerds. As soon as you hear about something, uh-huh. to think of a million reasons why I don't want to see it. Mm. But the the concept was my that was my knee jerk reaction, and then I backed up and said, no, it might be good. I said, you know. I liked when we started, when this all started chronologically, it started with, with Kirk or Pike or wherever you want to start. Yeah. But 23rd century. I like that there's a long gap between us now and then. It gives you plenty of time to invent magic technology and all kinds of crazy shit. And, you know, like, it's sufficiently in the future where you can just forgive all this stuff existing. And, and it allows your suspension of disbelief. When... And, and they, they set out, they said this specifically, when you create something that's supposed to fill in the gap, mm-hmm. 
that's supposed to take halfway, you know, take place halfway between the present and Kirk's time and explain how we got there. Already, it's like, ugh. It takes away some of the magic of the setting to me. Yeah. Because now you ha- now you run into these questions. You run into, my cell phone is smaller than their communicator. How is it at 100 years that they're, you know, like, what what's that about? And what, you know, as soon as you start picking at it, it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. That, I really had a problem with that. But but I sucked it up, and I watched the show. I gave it a really long time. I didn't, I did not, like, I did not just wander away. I gave it the entire first season and half of the second season. The same amount of time I gave Voyager. And as you said, I got really bored. I did not, I didn't bond with any of those characters. I didn't nope. feel like any of them were memorable. Like, we've said, we got a problem with Voyager, but we know... The Doctor was great, and Tuvok was pretty good. Yeah, like I can name everyone on Voyager. Mm-hmm. I don't like them, but I can name them. No, I can, seriously. I can name three characters on... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, the Archer. Cap- Captain Archer. Um, T'Pol was the sexpot Vulcan lady. Yeah. Uh, girl. And there was an Asian chick. There white, was a black white kid. White guy. Several interchangeable white guys. Doctor. And an alien doctor. Beagle. Yeah, the Beagle I remember. Yes. Beagle was fantastic. The Beagle, as I've said, is the reason I got a Beagle myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but now here's here's the thing. They set up early on that, like I said, this is going to be the, the gap between now and the far future. And we're going we're gonna to show you how we got from, from here to Kirk. I'm like, eh, okay, fine. We got this transporter. It's, it's experimental... But we're scared to use it. Okay, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. It would be scary to use it. Use it just for cargo, because putting people in... Oh my god, no, absolutely not. That's terrifying. And then in the pilot, they use it. Yep. And then in several... They, they use the transporter more than the Enterprise-D ever separated the saucer. I don't yep. know exactly how many times, but more than three. And that completely took away the whole idea of that mm-hmm. for me. See, the, the, th- the thing is, there's a lot of potentially good ideas with Enterprise, just like there's potentially good ideas with Voyager, and they never did any of them. I don't feel like there were, personally. This is my personal opinion. I don't yeah. feel like we needed to know most of this stuff. I don't think you need to know. Here's the I have been the staunchest supporter of the Star Wars prequels, more or less from day one. I had problems with, the, with episode one, but after episode two, I was like, you know what? I don't care. I like Star Wars. I like this. And I've been out there fighting the good fight forever, and I, I gave up because I'm not going to win that one. No. But, but the criticism that everyone levels against the prequels is it was better that I didn't know what happened before. It was better that we just jumped into the middle of the action, and I don't care where this came from. It's that Patton Oswalt bit about, you know, mm. you, like, you like ice cream? Well, here's some rock salt. <laughs> and it's the same. I actually felt this way about Enterprise, only it didn't, it didn't grow on me, which was I don't need to know where it came from. I don't need to know... Like, I, the way I pictured them meeting Klingons for the first time was way better than just seeing a Klingon run through a fucking cornfield. Yeah. That was terrible. Or, um, I, my big problem was the Vulcans were suddenly this this parent race that didn't trust humans. That had never been in any aspect of Star Trek before. No, they were just super douchey. And they just blatantly violated so many... I, you know I don't care about canon. No. I really, if it's character-based and if it's a good story, I don't fucking care. Blow the canon out of the water. Yep. But... To say that there were five ships called Enterprise, mm-hmm. A, B, C, D, and the one without a letter. That's five. 
And now, no, wait, no, no, there was another one. There's a different one that you didn't know about. And they came up with some douchey, like, well, no, technically, it was before the Federation. So, no, you know what? It's a starship. It goes warp. It's a starship. It's got mm. nacelles. It's got big honking nacelles. It's a starship. It's the Starship Enterprise, and we never heard of it before, but suddenly, now you got a brother. Yep. It's the Cybok thing all over again. <laughs> I didn't like the sexy first officer. Nope. I thought, like, the pilot, I've gone over this before, had, like, they had to decontaminate by rubbing sexy oil all over each other. I didn't think she acted well, and I think that she couldn't pull off anything when she had to stretch, ever. She just stood there and looked sexy. In addition to that, I heard her on on doing press for the show, and she didn't care for Star Trek. She didn't like it. She thought it was annoying that fans would bother her. I don't like that in general, but, I mean, a lot of them have done that over. But yeah. the, the combination of her not being good and basically not being able to justify that attitude. Mm-hmm. If Nimoy's saying fans won't leave me alone, well, you know what? You're fucking Nimoy. You're awesome. I'll, I'll forgive that. But she was not awesome. No. They just... Going back, looking through the, the chronologies and stuff, it looked like the Romulan War was supposed to be then, so I thought, finally, we get to look into the Romulans. We get to see what they're all about. Early atomic, like, crude weapons they talked about in, the, in, in like... Various episodes, like, this will be cool. This will be old school, like, you know, space fights. Like, you know, like, Buck Rogers, like, ray guns and atomic, you know, pointy rockets. And uh, that's kind of how I pictured it, like, back in the in the primitive days. Yeah. And, and then apparently they did it in their fifth season and it was just crap. And there was this whole temporal Cold War thing that made absolutely no sense. They never explained what that meant. Mm-hmm. They never, it just, it... Uh, I gave it a season and a half, and I just I didn't care if anyone lived or died. I didn't care about anything. They kept explaining things that didn't need to be explained. They kept running into things that they hadn't met yet, like yep. the Borg and the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. I just I don't I don't see it. I will say that Thom is correct though that several people have spoken up that they say Enterprise isn't that bad. Now that all the Star Trek uh, series are on Netflix, uh, and if you didn't know that by the way, they are, and you should be watching. Except for DS Nine, of course. That'll be there in October. It'll be there oh, long okay. before we get there. So. Okay. Um. But yeah, you could definitely watch along with us. We encourage mm-hmm. that, especially when we get to next gen. I think that should be a lot of fun. Yes. Um, but people have started watching and like, okay, Alan Mack go on and on about how bad the show is. Let me see, is it that bad? And Bob, who's been on this show, uh, Dave, our voice guy, uh, Thom, and um, other people I can't think of, but but two people I consider very close to me and and usually have fairly decent taste, said that show's not that bad. In fact, Dave even suggested. You guys should do that next, that he was serious. Wow. He's, and, and he had a good argument. I didn't agree with it. But his argument was, um, you jump 100 years from the original series to next gen, and it's like technology is magic, and it's a, kind of a jarring jump. Whereas, you know, this show is more similar in tone. You know, it's, it's, it, it feels closer to the show that you just did, and it's, it would be less jarring if you did that show next. And uh, I didn't agree, but, you know, he made a valid point. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, I just, I was like, no, I don't know that we're going to do that show at all, because I, I just, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. If it turns out that you watch it and you like it, or you don't hate it, then we'll do it. Yeah. The show is not completely dictated by, by my tastes alone, but um, if neither of us are into it, if we're just bored and we're just going to rag there, on it every week. There's, there's no point in doing five seasons of a show that we both hate. No, now, on the one hand, we don't want to torture ourselves. On another hand, we don't want to be dicks to people who do love it. No. We really don't. I mean, we have fun, and we, we like to goof on things, and we like to say this was bad. But you know what? If your favorite episode of, of the original series is Plato's Stepchildren, well, I, I think you're nuts. 
but I don't want to insult you personally. No. I needed a bucket. If you don't need a bucket for that episode, you know, <laughs> go ahead. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. But I could not do five years of play to stepchildren over and over. No. I, without pissing you off and without making me unhappy. Yeah. You, the hypothetical viewer who enjoys that. We would sooner review episodes of Three's Company. Um, yeah. I think we could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Furley or Roper, what do you think? Well, f- clearly Furley, but, you know. No, see, I'm a I, I have a personal right? love of Don Knotts. No, see, I think Norman Fell just uh, completely, I mean, you couldn't have Furley without Roper. I mean, I, I'm aware of that, but, like, Furley is still the the, be- the better landlord. No, I, I totally disagree. See? See? We got some tension there. We got some uh, got some real potential. What do you think of that? Actually, one of the one of the first sort of dumb comedy sketches that I ever wrote. Not that I'm a successful guy now, and, oh, well, now I've written hundreds of hours. Of, no, whatever. Um, I wrote this thing, which was a parody of the Generations trailer. <laughs> which was the the Generations trailer was just the, the brief scene of Kirk and Picard meeting on horseback. You know, was, uh, they say the situation is grim and, uh, you know, everyone's going to die. And, uh, and Picard says, you could say that. And Kirk says, sounds like fun. <laughs> and I pictured um, Furley and Roper meeting <laughs> on horseback. They say the situation is grim. <laughs> sounds like fun. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. Ah, uh, comedy. <laughs> All right, that is all the questions we have. Matt, do you have anything else before we move on to our uh, delightful interview? No, with, uh, I uh, no, I think we can just move on. All right, and uh, finally, we have a bit of a treat here for you. Um, through the magic of... I, what, what is he using? The, the Guardian of Forever, I guess? Or are we even allowed to call it that? It's uh, like... <laughs> the, the portal to... He's got time. like a tin, a tin can on a string leading in, leading into the future. Yeah, coming coming to us from the future, from the twenty third century, from the Starship Enterprise. Uh, Ensign, well, we know him as Ensign Sadsack. Apparently, that's not his actual name. No, my actual name is Ensign David Hacker. Thanks really, and, and that's that, that's an established name. Like you're actually in the in the books in the in the history books with. Yes, yeah. my my name is established. It's it's written in books. But I mean, you're not a you're not a forgettable red shirt that just kind of blended into the background. You were given a name. That might be the nicest thing anyone has ever said about me. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't remember, he um, Ensign Sadsack, as we call him, Ensign Hacker, uh, appeared uh, on screen in um, uh, the adventure that that we saw, known as uh, More Troubles, uh, More Tribbles, More Troubles. That's that's how we know it too. This one, that's Captain Kirk likes to title his captain's logs. I see. Um, and and you appeared in the uh, in, in the transporter room, just sort of hanging out, and we noticed you because you looked sort of different from the other guys. And we're trying you to figure looked out like you... you were about to put a gun in your mouth or a phaser. I mean, let's let's keep this period correct, please. Well, I could have borrowed one of Sulu's guns. He's always finding them lying around. He is a fan. So. You, you've been on the Enterprise for how long? I've been on the Enterprise now for two wonderful years. So you were there um, around the time uh, uh, Pavel Chekhov started? Yes, uh, Chekhov and I were in the same class at the Academy. He graduated a year before me. Mm. But uh, we both transferred to the Enterprise. 
And our, um, our our sort of area of focus right now is is the fourth year of the uh, of the Enterprise's five year mission. There's uh, oh yeah, that was that was an interesting time to be on board. Uh, seemed like everything a lot of repetition. Got, everything started kind of happening over and over again. And uh, well, they was uh, more colorful though. Yeah, definitely more colorful. They hired decorators uh, for one thing. They um, mm-hmm. they redid the ship in brighter colors. Apparently they had just done a job for the Klingon Empire. Oh, so, right, and all the purples, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they love purple. Hmm. Uh, they also redid our hallways uh, so that it looked like the same section of hallway repeated over and over again. Well, that's just good design. Which I thought was an interesting choice. Now, this was but, around the time that uh, that Lieutenant Eric's started serving on the bridge. Uh, what was his deal? Well, they wanted to promote Chekhov. Because he had been doing five different jobs for a year. Mm-hmm. And so they moved him to night shift supervisor. And they uh, needed someone to replace him. And rather than one of the other 380 people who never get to do anything on the ship, they took on a new transfer. He said he was a new transfer and he just sort of showed up one day. So had his transfer papers written in crayon on the back of a Denny's menu. So I always found that a little suspicious. Really? You guys right. have Denny's in the 23rd century? Yeah. We, we only have Denny's. That's terrible. But at least everything in Denny's is free, right? Because like, there's no money in the future. In, in our at future, it, in your present. At Denny's, nothing is really free. I mean, you You're must at least get the... Uh... Paying for it. I mean, at least you you got to at least get the the free breakfast thing on your birthday, right? Please, for the love of God. Well, I wouldn't Something. know. I don't really have birthdays to speak of. Uh, I was born on a leap year day. They still have leap years in the future, even though they switched over to star dates. Well, leap star date. Wow. And I, uh, even if it wasn't the case, I spent my last four birthdays. Either trapped in a well, or inside a stasis lock, or so you, you just, you don't... I was trapped in a stasis well. <laughs> That's where they keep the stasis water, right? That's where they get all the stasis from. Of course. Um, so let me, let me walk through a few of the... Well, of the... I should say, sometimes they mill it from the stasis fields. I gotcha. That's so, not just a term. Right. Um... So let me let me take you through some of the uh, some of the adventures from that year, and and oh, if there's any particular memories you have, I mm. love to relive some of those. Well, there was there was the time when there was a giant Spock. Were you there for that? I wasn't there. I heard about it. I drew a picture of what I thought it might look like. Mm-hmm. Giant Spock with a giant boot, and underneath that, a tiny little Captain Kirk. You don't like Kirk very much. Yeah, I'm sensing a little regression. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, you think about what we said about Chekhov. What was Chekhov's job exactly? Lots of things, from what we can tell. Exactly, he was in charge of security. He was a tactical officer. He was the navigator. And the reason for this, we think, is not that he was particularly talented. Not that he was particularly likable. Things that Kirk didn't want to remember anybody else's name. He's got his engineer. He's got the girl that sits behind him on the bridge. He's got his two best friends. 
and the two guys that sit in front of him. Anything other than that, he doesn't particularly care about. You know we have specialists in almost every field on the ship. No. We do. No, when we see the, the highlights of your, uh, of, your, of your missions relayed to us, we basically see those people you just named, and that's it. Uh-huh. Well, I'm thinking, like, say we found uh, a cowboy planet. Mm-hmm. That we did, we, you think there would be, like, you would send down the ship's historian mm-hmm. to look at it. But no, you're going to send down Kirk and Spock and McCoy and Chekhov and a couple of engineers to die. Really? So he's not even sending security guys. Those are actual, like, qualified engineers that are just... Sometimes they're security guys. Usually he just says, get me a couple of the red ones. <laughs> but the guys in the red shirts do more than just security. He, he doesn't care? No. Really, we just kind of try to stay out of his way and keep the ship running as best we can. We don't really know what our jobs are. <laughs> we didn't even uh... use... Before I came on for a time, they didn't even have red shirts. They just had the yellow shirts and the kind of faded yellow shirts. Wow. Well, yeah, that was that was back in Captain Pike's time, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, Captain Pike. There was a captain. Oh, you knew Worst Captain Pike? What happened to you is... Oh, I read about him. I mean, you look at the adventures of Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. What happens under Captain Kirk's command when we meet somebody with strange and mysterious powers? They try to kill us. Mm-hmm. What happens in Captain Pike's time? They try to make us have sex with hot girls. <laughs> Which ship would you rather be serving under? Yeah, I think I see your point. Yeah, that's, that's Which- fair. Which creepy, emotionless first officer would you rather have? <laughs> Well, number one seemed pretty great. Whatever happened to her, anyway? Oh, she got transferred to the academy. She was the uh, professor of astrophysics. Oh, well, good for her. Got it bad. Got it bad. I'm not her teacher. <laughs> so uh, let, let's go through some of the other uh, um, uh, missions here. Um, I, I guess you really didn't have anything to do with the, the time that uh, Kirk and Spock grew uh, gills and uh, webbed hands. You're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> that happened a lot, did it? Well, not specifically Gills, but uh, hardly a month would go by when Kirk and Spock wouldn't grow some extra body part at least two or three times. Really? Oh, yeah, there was that time that they got laps. That was creepy. Oh. There was that time that they got tails. Kirk mostly just used his to trip people. <laughs> Spock just stood there and watched. So Spock just kind of lets this stuff happen. Huh? It's just kind of well, instigator, and Spock just—he's very big on the chain of command. I guess you could say, you could say he's a follower. Huh. If I were Spock's mom, I might be inclined to say that Kirk's a bad influence on him. But if I were Spock's mom, I would be married to an important diplomat and wouldn't be on the ship right now, so how would I know? <laughs> okay, so um, that time that uh, the Enterprise went through the, uh, the the spatial anomaly gas cloud thing and the, uh, the computer Again, went crazy. Again, have to be more sp- Well, the computer went crazy and, and practical jokes started happening. Uh, Scotty got uh, hit in the face with a pie. Uh, somebody wrote Kirk is a jerk on the back of his shirt. I assume that was the computer and not you, right? Oh, okay. Well, that's, I mean, at least now I know which uh, 
which time you're talking about, because that was the week I was on Captain Jerk's personal laundry duty. <laughs> I see. So, so you blame that on the computer, then? Well, here's the thing. I didn't have anything to do with that. But when somebody says, were you there the week everything went crazy, what am I going to tell them? Last week, the devil came on board and took us to a planet where we were all put in the stocks. And then you're going to say next week was the week where everything got weird. <laughs> and then the week after that, we have to go and rescue a statue with the help of a giant bird. And then the week after that, time starts moving backwards. Yeah, how about that one? Did, did anything cool happen to you when uh, time went backwards? We got whipped through puberty backwards. Yeah. That's not an experience you want to go through. Sounds remarkably unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was moving some stasis at the time, so it just happened to me over and over and over and over. Good lord. And over. Well, how about uh, when uh, Cuckoo Khan showed up? I didn't get a chance to meet Cuckoo Khan. Although, uh, you're, you're acquainted I did with have... uh, Walking Bear, though. Right? You guys are- I am. Awesome. I am. Walking Bear is my other roommate. We we share a room with Chekhov. Oh, that's got to be fun. Yeah, those those got to be some great parties you guys have in that room. Yeah, uh, yeah. We we do party. Although lately, Running Bear there has been having a little bit of digestive trouble. If you follow my <laughs> meaning, and the toilet's right there in the middle of the room. Really. Yeah. I mean, when we watch the adventures, we see no evidence of toilets at all. They just hide them in the no. crew quarters, huh? Exactly. That's... And when I say that, I mean, it's not like just ours. We do share. So it's like a dorm situation, like here, like I, well, like the like at the academy, I assume. Like we... More of a utility closet that they put a triple bunk bed in. Oh, Lord. Well, they call so... it a triple bunk bed, but it's really just a regular bunk bed, and I sleep under it. <laughs> So unlike the command staff, you don't really have room for your ridiculous trophies and pots. No, no, just the toilet and the airlock. And oh, you're there with the airlock, too. And Nurse Chapel's soup-making machine. Well, she does like her soup. Mm-hmm. She is the only one. <laughs> All right, well, it's not back. a coincidence people keep throwing it at her. <laughs> Well, it's been an utter delight, Ensign Hacker, a.k.a. You know what flavor she made for me when I had space flu? Oh, God, what flavor? Defeat. (laughs) I know well what it tastes like. Well, it it may comfort you to know that uh, we're we're privy to adventures that happen 75, 80 years in your future, and there will be dispensers in the wall that take care of the soup for that, like, better, Mm -hmm. better than the ones you have now. Where you can order soup however you want, and they don't need Nurse Chapel anymore. So uh, I tried ordering that. some soup, and just gave me some pastel cubes. <laughs> they gave me heartburn. <laughs> well, Ensign Hacker, we uh, we appreciate your time. You're uh, you're you're I'm sure a very busy man. Any any can final you, thoughts? Can you, any... can you just tell me one thing? Yes. How does Kirk die? Oh. Shot in the back over a matter of eighty dollars. That's it's, awesome. it's, a, it's horribly sad, as a sad old man. That's, oh. that's the best I can tell you. Sort of in action, but sort of waddling in action, and then just you'll you'd be you'll be delighted. Trust me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. However, before Hopefully. that point, he's going to blow up the ship that, that you're serving on right now. Just blow it up. Look, okay. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet already. 
if we didn't have shuttlecrafts and the giant inflatable enterprise for him to shoot at, I'm sure he would have. <laughs> well, Ensign Hacker, it's been a delight. Uh, keep keep on keep on trucking. Yeah. Really, that's what you're going with. Yep. Keep on trucking. I would like you to continue trucking. I'll do my best. Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2011. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun. <laughs> <laughs>